0: The following is a paid commercial program, unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.
1: And welcome to it. It is uh, seven minutes after seven o'clock. School's here along with John Pincus ready to uh, ready to go. We hope you are as well. Let's get it started. Phone lines already open. Live show as always. Your calls 416-870-6400. You got something to say. You got employment matters. Something bothering you. You don't know where to go. Right here would be the first step. 416-870-6400. And email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Any other time. You can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Wonderful website, full of employment law know-how. There's even a, a section there on disability law, so there's tons of reading. It's anonymous, of course. It's absolutely free, of course. But there's a contact button at the top right if you want to carry on after that. John, welcome to the show again, pal. Week that was, we're going to get to uh, what you need to know about employment agreements. And if we have time, between calls and emails. We'll get to being let go from your job without even realizing it. That is all just ahead, but the week that was, you got a couple things to talk about. What's going on, pal? Lots
2: Lots of uh, of, interesting things things to talk 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 about about, uh, tonight. tonight. And uh, we're going to be talking talking about about, uh, uh, a few situations situations to start start off with with that that I... I, dealt with this week. week. So So firstly, uh, a situation that I want to talk about about is someone someone who had been been working working in sales and who had been been an employee employee of the company company for five five years. years. And she worked out of a home office office and was paid a a base salary salary and a commission. Now, the company decided a few weeks ago that they were going to cut down the size of their sales team. So her employment was terminated without cause, and she was offered a severance package. Now, this, now, was, this someone was someone in their someone late in their 50s, 50s uh, working um, in sales, sales again, again with so a five-year five service. service. And they were, entitled, they were to entitled to anywhere between, between uh, uh, from, uh, from about from six, six to eight months', to eight months, months pay. pay. And the severance, yeah, the severance package, package the company offered her was about five months' pay. Okay, so that's fairly close to her full entitlement. Um, and I figured this was a straightforward situation. And that was in, until I started speaking with her, of course, uh, at which point um, – uh, I realized that she had actually been working for this company for uh, 15 years. What had happened is uh, she had been working for the company previously as a contractor and uh, on a purely commission basis until about five years ago uh, when she was made an employee. So the previous 10 years uh, she had been paid as an employee, uh, they had not actually made any deductions uh, at source. Um, and, uh, but what was really interesting is that the, this job was essentially the same. The only difference was that they put her on a salary, gave her benefits and started deducting tax from her pay so (laughs) for one thing it seemed clear to me that this person was always an employee of the company Uh, she did not hire her own people she was given performance reviews every year Uh, she didn't have to make any investment to do the job and most important of all uh, she never worked for anyone else uh, in 15 years so this is someone who was clearly in the business not for herself uh, but for the business Now, in any event, even if she was not an employee, she was clearly a dependent contractor. And the law says in these situations, you have to treat all of their years of service the same. So this was someone who was owed at least three times likely more uh, than the offer that had been made to her when she was let go. And uh, we're going to help her obtain a much better severance package.
1: Reaching out to John, by the way, a member of the team, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's when we're not on the air or anytime, help at employmentlawyer.ca. I know you got some more stuff to cover here, John, but we always like to bounce over the phone calls when we get them. Don't want to make you wait. Danny, thanks for standing by in that regard. How are you?
3: I'm fine. How are you? And I always listen to your show. you got a great channel.
1: I oh, Appreciate
3: um, it. Yeah, uh, I was on disability when I was 63 from a home invasion, and they almost let me dead now. And I, uh, I I went on disability, ODSP, and I was in intensive care, and I was in rehab for two and a half years. And then uh, I was 63 then. I hit 65, yeah. and the government told me I had to go on old age pension, or loot and and go off off a disability, but I would get the same amount of money uh, from them on old age pension. Now I did for about three months, and then boom, they knocked off three hundred dollars off of my money, and I'm sixty nine now, and so sixty five four years, uh, I've been reduced three hundred bucks uh, a month. Uh, uh, per yeah, per per month, right?
2: So you're you're talking about the pension plan uh, from your former employer? Is that is that right?
3: Uh, no, no. I'm talking about I was on disability and I was I was I was in rehab and all. And when I hit sixty five, I had to go off of rehab and mm-hmm. apply for old age pension. Right. And. I was I was told by the government that I would get the same amount of money uh, on the old age pension as I would a rehab. And I did for three months. And then after three months, they knocked me down 300 bucks. And it's been that that for four years.
2: Right. Well, well, that's a situation, to be honest, it's, it's pretty, pretty difficult to speak to without knowing exactly uh, what the circumstances were when you uh, mm-hmm. went on that uh, pension plan. Uh, it would depend in large part on the terms of that pension plan. So, this is a situation that you probably want to speak to a a pension expert about. And and actually, as it so happens, I do have uh, someone that I'd be happy to refer you to. So, if you want to give us a call off air, um, I can certainly refer you to someone who can help you navigate that situation. Uh, But just Given the information we've gotten, I think it's it's going to be uh, too complicated a situation for us to deal with on air. But uh, you you definitely want to uh, look into that based on the the terms of the pension. And, and as I said, we can uh, definitely get you connected with someone who can help you with that.
1: Appreciate the call, Danny, and that number to reach out to John and get that uh, get that number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. I mean, part of that might be as far as a disability ending when he was sixty five. A lot of those policies do end when you're sixty five. Anyway, so that might explain part of it, but you don't know. It's too early, not enough information. 416-870-6400. Laura, welcome to the show. How are you?
3: Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I have a question. Um, I was laid off from March till and started back at work in July. I'm in the restaurant industry, so it's really slow. I used to work Monday to Friday uh, all days kind of thing. Now I'm working just, Mm -hmm. um, just a couple of shifts a week, like barely 10 hours. I applied for CERB. All the way through this, and uh, like I said, I'm not making more than like 10 hours a week right now. Um, Do I apply for EI now, or do I go through something else? Because technically I'm not laid off now. I'm working two shifts a week.
2: Right. So they're they're changing the laws uh, for EI. Everything is basically transitioning into EI at this point. Um, And I'd recommend that you go uh, to the government website because um, there are new rules, there are new flexibilities. As you know, you can can earn a certain amount of money um, and still uh, receive EI, but you do have to be careful because there are penalties uh, and there can be significant financial penalties if you go above that. So everything actually is listed on the Government of Canada website, so I would go on that.
3: I've read it and it really wasn't that clear because like technically I'm not laid off now though. So do I still get a layoff slip from my employer
2: or No, you won't you won't get a record of employment. Uh but what we're we're talking about is the um Canada Recovery benefits, so they are transitioning into sort of a a different, more longer-term form of uh, employment benefits, and that's the one that that you want to apply to um, because you're not going to need necessarily a record of employment to do that. So uh, look up, when when you have a moment, the Canada Recovery uh, benefit. And um, that is uh, something that um, you can apply for. Uh, there are a number of conditions. For example, uh, you can't earn more than $38,000 for 2020, and 2020 or 2021. Um, and, and, uh, so, and if you do, then there is a repayment uh, obligation. Um, but uh, there's a there's a number of uh, there's a number of requirements. Uh, one of those is that you have to have suffered a decrease of income of at least fifty percent for each uh, two week period claimed. So th- these are okay. very similar to the CERB requirements, uh, but that's the one that you're going to want to be thinking about applying to. Again, that's the Canada Recovery Benefit. Um, okay. And that's as opposed uh, to EI. All right, you
3: asked.
1: Yeah. S- Thank sort you of very a, much. A, no problem. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate that. You want to reach out further, talk to John, answer more questions? That's just how easy it is. You make the phone call here, but failing that, 1-855-821-5900. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And always remind you to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is a very robust website. will give you all kinds of information on employment law. It is free. It is anonymous, but there is a contact button at the top right as well. Let's take a short break. We'll continue on here. What you need to know about employment agreements, that is on the way as we continue the Monday night edition. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio.
0: Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.
1: And welcome back. Indeed, it is 7.20, 7.20, time for you to call in. You got questions, bring it on. Got answers, 416-870-6400, help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address to reach out. And any other time you need more information, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Lots of time for you to call in, so we'll... Get some of your calls on here. In the meantime, what you need to know about employment agreements, we're going to rip through these, John, and I know you want to start talking about and dissecting each one. So here is the first one. Number one is this. Why are employment agreements so darn important?
2: Well, they're important for a number of reasons, uh, other than setting out your your salary and your hours and, of course, where you're going to work. And right now, one of the things that's very important that you're going to want to know is, can I work from home? Uh, They also lay out all the rules that are going to govern your job. Um, and so in addition to looking for of course the major things of course the salary is important the hours are important Can they change your duties? Uh, that's going to be important But you're also going to want to look at things that could limit your rights and they could limit your rights significantly So for example, you could have provisions that grant your employer greater rights a right to change your job A, a right to put you on a layoff a right to terminate your employment and provide you with very little which is very important And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that uh, and once you sign it uh that is, an, that, that is going to be your agreement, and it could be your agreement throughout your entire employment relationship. So you really want to look over it carefully, have it reviewed by a lawyer uh, if it's going to be a, a lengthier agreement, and make sure you're comfortable with it before you sign.
1: By the way, if have any questions about any of these talking points as we go, feel free to call in 416-870-6400, what you need to know about that employment agreement. What's better? I'm going to throw this one a lob, and easy one over the plate for you, pal. A handshake deal or a 30-page document? Yeah, definitely a a softball question there, John. Uh, Handshake, it it is. Handshake is
2: almost always better. Uh, A 10-page agreement or a 20-page agreement, most clauses are typically there to to benefit the employer, uh, especially if you didn't negotiate yourself. You know, this is really something that's presented to you almost like like an iTunes agreement, right? It's, you Uh, know, when you read, this is is what I always say, you know, when you read an iTunes agreement, it's not there uh, to look to, you know, to look out for you. It's there to protect Apple. And it's the same thing when you're in an employment relationship. They have drafted this to protect their interests and to give you just the bare minimum things that they know that you're going to need in order to agree to it, right? If they said that, you know, we want you to work for minimum wage and you're expecting a salary of $75,000 a year, you're not going to accept that job. But they they think, well, we can have restrictions on you know, the amount of termination pay we have to pay, we may have, we can put uh, flexibility on what we can do to this person during their job, and they may not notice or they may not care. So we'll put that in. So make sure that you do review these things, because you may care about them. And if you have a handshake, you don't have to worry about any of this, because all of your rights are uh, enshrined by the common law. So you know, when when you have a, a, you know, a verbal, you know, a verbal deal or, you know, a handshake deal, don't think that you don't have a contract, you do, you have a very good contract, you have a contract that's protected by the common law. Um, and so, you know, the, the notion that, that a lot of people think that you have to ask for an employment contract so that you can protect your rights, that's not the case, you don't need to do that. Your rights are protected by default. And those are very often the best rights that you have.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost counter to what people would naturally expect. You have two people say, this guy, same job, but this guy got hired with a big fat contract in a, in a manila envelope, and the guy beside him just started with a handshake, and they'd be like, ooh, I'd be scared for that guy. No, it's better off, man. It's better just to have the handshake than it's, uh, it's wide open for your employment rights. It's a really, it's a really good point, but it's someone, uh, something you really need to hammer home almost all the time to get through people that it's not uh, it's not like you know any other deal in life where you want a rock solid contract the employment contract on a handshake is a pretty good deal if in this day and age you can still uh, still score one 416-870-6400 is the number you want to call through ask a question do exactly that ron thanks for standing by good evening hey how's it going good pal what's uh, what's on your mind so my wife works for uh, a big company
4: Um, They are working from home now, uh, doing all the Zoom and and whatnot. The uh, CEO of the company has uh, come on board, apparently met with uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, and is now going to be pushing his staff uh, in the U.S. and apparently Canada to get a COVID vaccine. Uh, So the first question is, can he do that? Uh, And the second question is, I guess, can they tell you you can't work in the office or fire you for not wanting to, uh, you know, take the vaccine?
2: Well, that's a very interesting situation. And I have to say one that I have not yet come across, uh, one that we're, we're probably going to all be confronted with uh, in the coming months or in the coming year, at least, Um you know, this is uh, this is a little bit of uncharted territory. But what you have to remember is that you know, until there is a vaccine. That is approved by as safe by Canadian health authorities. There's certainly no obligation uh, on anyone in in Canada to get a vaccine. Now maybe that will change because we're going into such uncharted territory that you know maybe we will see a government regulation that says you know part of having a safe workplace is ensuring that your employees are safely immunized and so that we can maintain herd immunity. Uh, but for the time being. Uh, and, and and again, remember this doesn't the the fact that a vaccine may be approved in the U.S. does not change this because we're talking about Canadian health uh, authorities when we're talking about Canada. Until that happens, until there is a, a vaccine that is deemed safe for use in Canada, there is certainly no obligation on an employee uh, to do that. In fact, in, in, you know, as far as as I know right now, that there's there's really. Uh, no vaccine in Canada that's being used. So I think that this is one of those things, you cross that bridge when you get there, but rest assured that the employer cannot force you to do anything that's unsafe. And how do we know what's unsafe? Well, all we can really go by is is what Health Canada tells us is safe. That's really the authority here, right? So if you have the consensus of the medical community, uh, you may have to do it, but for the time being, no, you you, you cannot be forced to do that. Right.
4: Okay, sounds good.
2: Good
1: answer. Thanks for Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. Try to fill out as uh, as much as we can with those answers. Uh, you have time to call as well. John here ready to answer your questions. 416-870-6400-HELP at employmentlawyer.ca. Going to carry on with what you need to know about employment agreements. What should employees watch out for when they're signing that agreement? So one of the biggest things
2: that you want to look out for is, of course, the termination clause, right? We talk about termination clauses all the time on the show. Termination clauses are something that your employer will put in the agreement to change your rights on termination. Uh, In some cases, they will put in some kind of formula uh, that will uh, often be less than your common law entitlements. Uh, In many cases, they will put in a clause that gives you the bare minimum statutory amounts under the Employment Standards Act. Um, And these are things that you need to watch out for. Now, in many cases, uh, these termination clauses will not ultimately be enforceable, but you Mm -hmm. should not expect that going in. You should expect that if the employer puts it in there, they're going to rely on it. Uh, And so if you want your employer to pay you a fair severance package at the time that you are let go, um, and you have the leverage to negotiate a better termination clause, uh, you know, perhaps a termination clause that's not just the minimum amount, but some kind of formula that is more equitable to you, more fair to you, um, or to negotiate the termination clause out completely, which I have seen done in rare cases, um, albeit it's, it's rare because normally you are in a very um, unequal bargaining position, uh, but mm-hmm. if you can do it, then it's a very good thing to do. The other thing that you want to look out for is a non-competition clause, uh, which may prevent you from working for a certain period of time, often six months or 12 months uh, from the time that you're let go. So picture the situation where you could be given your minimum employment standards entitlements and at the same time, told that you can't work in the industry for the next 12 months. And I see these agreements all the time. And they're draconian, they're very harsh, uh, but your employer will hold it against you. Um, and you really want to avoid that if you can, uh, at the time that you're being hired by uh, making sure to negotiate at least one of those clauses, you know, you got other things, John, like layoff clauses, clauses that allow the company to change your duties, change your hours of work. So it's, it's a minefield, uh, an employment uh, contract. and. And, uh, again, most of these things are there to protect the employer. So this is why you really need to speak to an employment lawyer uh, if you're getting one of those longer-form contracts.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really goes beyond just, you know, how much is my salary, how much vacation do I get, and uh, that's it. Good, sign away. No, no, it goes much deeper than that, and things that could have serious repercussions down the road uh, for sure. 416-870-6400 is the number help at employment lawyer. Dot ca. So you're thinking, okay, I, I, there's some things on this employment agreement you say, John, that I should look out for. I don't like them. They're leaving a bad taste in my mouth. But can employment agreements be negotiated? And I'm going to say that, first of all, just by the prospective employee or a currently working employee. Can they do that on their own? And if not, can you do it?
2: Well, by a current working employee, uh, you it's easier to negotiate because you already have the job and you really have no obligation to sign it. The worst thing that they can do is terminate your employment and pay you a severance package, but then at least your severance rights are going to be based on what you had before. You know, the reality, John, is we, we often, when we're talking about the subject, we say that employment contracts can be negotiated. And, of course, in principle, they can. Uh, But the reality is that in many cases it is going to be a take it or leave it offer, right? And so in many cases, uh, you may have to choose between uh, accepting the terms of that job uh, or not taking the job at all because they may have 10 other candidates who are are ready to go, especially in this climate. Uh, But that may not be a job that you want, right? You may want to look elsewhere for someone who's going to give you a more fair deal. Now, in other cases, I have seen people, particularly if you're being recruited, uh, that you can negotiate your contract. So sometimes uh, if you are being recruited from somewhere and and there's an employment contract that will say, you know, you're going to start with a three-month probationary period, well, you shouldn't be agreeing to that, right? If you are being recruited, you should get some uh, assurance that this is going to be a reasonably long-term opportunity. And if they're not willing to give that to you, you may decide, you know what, I'm going to stay where I am. Uh, In other cases, they may have a desperate need for your skill set. So you'll say, look, I'll come to you, but I'm not going to agree to all these restrictions on my rights. If you're going to let me go, I want to be given a reasonable severance package, for example. So these are the situations that, you know, to be honest, are, are more the exception to the rule. But if you fall into one of those categories and you think you have the leverage, then use it. And you can do it yourself. You can do it with the help of an employment lawyer, uh, which is good, because then you'll make sure that these clauses actually do favor you and there's no fine print
1: you have to worry about. But uh, it's always better if you can. Again, 416-870-6400, the number to call through and ask your question. It's uh, help at employment lawyer. Dot .ca Yeah, I guess if, you know, if if you're on the on the end of someone who's a potential employee, you've been through three or four rounds of interviews and so on and so forth. They put some time and effort into hiring you. You're obviously the candidate they want. You should have some breathing room and like you said, leverage as far as, you know, I really want this job. I'm eager to get started, but there's just a, you know, a couple things here eh, not sitting too well with me. Maybe can, we can uh, we can deal with those. You should probably get a positive response at that point, right? Right. Well, one would hope for sure, because,
2: uh, look, if you're if you're trying to compromise, maybe maybe you offer some give on certain clauses that, you know, are really important to them. And and you 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 offer to say, say, look, this is what's
1: really important to me. Yeah. How about this one? Final one. You signed an employment agreement. Didn't get advice. Now what do you do? well that is a situation that many many people
2: find themselves in they need a job and they sign it and they don't necessarily read or understand all the fine print that's definitely a situation that you want to avoid but if that's the situation you find yourself in and your employment has been terminated uh you still want to seek advice because you know what i find is that the vast majority Uh, of employment agreements out there have termination clauses that have been uh, not only drafted in a very harsh way but have also been drafted Mm -hmm. illegally and the courts will not enforce an illegal termination clause it doesn't matter who you are Uh, it doesn't matter um, you know how how much wording they have put in there and it it doesn't matter if you've assigned to it you can't agree to something that is illegal Uh, so The vast majority of those contracts that you're finding uh, out there where employers have been overzealous and and tried to, uh, especially those that try to limit you to the minimum amounts, uh, the court really, really does scrutinize these provisions because they are so harsh, uh, and you want to make sure that uh, if you have been given just that minimum or perhaps something just above that uh, for signing a release, you talk to an employment lawyer uh, like myself or anyone at at, at ST Law, um, and we can... um, Look that over for you, and and within about thirty seconds, we can tell you whether that that contract is actually going to hold.
1: Being let go from your job without even realizing it, we'll bounce over to that in a moment. I want to get to a couple emails here. First one tonight comes from Grace again. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Grace says, uh, "I've just been placed on a performance improvement plan for no reason, John. Do I have any rights to get rid of it from uh, from my record?" Interesting.
2: Interesting. Well, you, you can't get rid of a performance improvement plan for your record. That's really at the employer's discretion. Of course, that's only your record right. with that employer. It's not a, you know, it's not a permanent record of sorts. I mean, the key thing that you want to do is you want to protect your rights um, to get a reasonable severance package if they ultimately decide to terminate your employment for cause. You know, whenever you're being given a performance improvement plan, uh, the, the, ultimately the motive behind this in many cases, I'm not going to say all cases, but in many cases, an employer is trying to paper a trail so they can terminate your employment without paying severance. And you want to put some wrinkles in that so that you can defend yourself, especially if in this case, as Grace has mentioned, it's for no reason. You want to state your disagreement with it. You want to say, look, this makes no sense to me. Of course, I'm going to work as hard as I always have, but this is really coming out of the blue. So if that employer asserts that they have just cause for termination, we're going to have a record that we can go back and say, no, no, no know this wasn't a genuine
1: this wasn't a good faith performance improvement plan and then we can still fight for your severance rights 416-870-6400 that is the way don thanks for standing by how are you
4: hey guys good evening good evening thanks for taking my call you bet um i just got a quick question thankfully it's not my kids but um i'm aware that there is a a restaurant um in town that is just changing ownership um the Exiting owners have asked that the kids working there all sign letters of resignation before the new owners take over. <laughs> um, while I recognize, you know, we're not talking you know, big severance packages, but our calculation using the, uh, the calculator there was still, you know, a couple thousand dollars for this particular girl I am acquainted with. Um, being they are minors for the most part, is there any latitude given that they should be afforded extra, um, I guess, latitude when they're submitting a letter of resignation, being that they're not aware of what they're signing?
2: Yeah, that that is uh, really um, you know almost reprehensible uh, that someone is doing that. Um, so the first thing you need to know here, Don, is that when some when a business changes ownership doesn't matter if it's a restaurant or a manufacturing facility or, or what have you. That is a termination. It's not a resignation. The notion that they should give letters of resignation, I mean, <laughs> I they, they certainly shouldn't be doing that. But if they did, it's its meaningless uh, because if they're changing ownership, they're all being terminated. So it's like someone saying, you know, I'm firing you, but I want you to give me a letter of resignation. Well, that's still a dismissal. That's not a voluntary resignation, right? So, so that's complete nonsense. None of those kids should be giving uh, letters of resignation. And if they do, uh, I would say that uh, they're not true because they're not voluntary letters of resignation. Uh, but definitely they should not be doing that now if um if they're all given new employment uh, by the new owners uh, then this may be a distinction without a difference because their employment will continue it'll continue uh for the purpose of the employment standards act and for the purpose of their full entitlements there will be a recognition that they were previously employed and had certain years of service if, if they're let go um so it really depends on what happens from here onwards. But for those uh, you know, for those employees, uh, for those kids, as you say, that are working at this restaurant and are not offered a job by the new ownership, those people are going to be owed severance packages. You're right. It, it probably is not going to be a huge severance package, but it will be something. They shouldn't be sending letters of resignation. And if they have already, they should still be seeking out a severance package because this is uh, – really not so it, it, it's really taking advantage i think of of uh young people's naivete and uh that's that's really disappointing to hear that uh, that that's happening
4: yeah fair enough i am led to believe that uh all or most will not be uh kept on it's going to become more of a family uh, um a family run type of deal
2: right Okay, so then we're talking about severance packages here, and uh, those people should definitely seek out legal advice and uh, uh, seeking out uh, perhaps representation from a paralegal.
4: Fair enough. I appreciate your time.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks, Don. Appreciate that. Yeah, don't sign anything. Come on. Yeah, we need you all to resign. Thank you very much. No, sorry. Yeah. I can't believe that. Not for yeah, exactly. A second. Keep dreaming, uh, Don. Here's the number, by the way, if you want to reach out and carry on, uh, get some more advice. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Don't let them sign anything. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred would be the uh, would be the number. I'm going to carry on here with another email, uh, Kevin. Kevin says, "Guys, I've been employed in the same place for the last twenty years, and my employer just terminated my employment and put code M on my record of employment." Will that hurt me when I apply for employment insurance? What the heck is code M? So code code M is actually uh, dismissal, uh, and a lot oh.
2: of a lot of people uh, get uh, a little bit. Um, uh, worried when they see that because code M is what is also used when there's a termination for cause. But just because it says code M on your record of employment does not mean your employment's been terminated for cause. It just means your employment has been terminated for some other reason other than a lack of work or shortage of work. So, you know, the quick answer to this question is no, it's not going to hurt you when you apply for employment Mm -hmm. insurance. But of course, the big question is you've been working somewhere for 20 years. Uh, What's the severance package that you've been given? So uh, Kevin, I hope you go on the severance pay calculator take a look at that and let's make sure that uh, you've been given a fair severance package because if uh, your employment was terminated uh, and, uh, you know, there isn't some extraordinary
1: circumstance, then you're going to be owed something very significant probably after 20 years. Kevin, by the way, the uh, severance pay calculator can now be found within pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is a website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And you'll get some answers right there. Uh, Simrate says, I have no daycare to send my children, and my boss wants me to come to work. What should I do? Yeah, this is, of course, a situation that many
2: people are facing in the midst of the pandemic. You bet. Uh, The good thing is that there is something called infectious disease leave, uh, where if you are in a situation that you have to care for your children for reasons relating to COVID and you have to stay home to watch them, you are entitled to an unpaid leave of absence. Again, unfortunately, that is an unpaid leave of absence, but you cannot be fired from your job for doing that. Uh, if you do that, that will be a reprisal under the Employment Standards Act, which is actually very serious Um, so I would explain to your employer that you are going to need an emergency uh, infectious disease leave uh, you know often called IDEL, under the Employment Standards Act and that you are going to keep your eye on the daycare and as soon as one opens uh, you will uh, send your children there and return to work
1: look at the basil basil says guys I've worked for 50 hours per week in my job but my boss says I'm not entitled uh, to overtime because I'm a manager my title is manager. Most of what I do is sales. Are they right?
2: Well, this is interesting uh, because a lot of it, there it is true that if you have an actual title of manager and you work actually as manager, manager uh, yeah. most of your duties you know you're delegating work to others, you're controlling the work of others, you're doing performance reviews, um, and you are actually spending the vast majority of your time managing a part of the workforce, then you would be excluded from overtime pay. But an employer just uh, just, just putting uh, the title manager on you does not make it so. You actually, a- actually have to have those duties. So you very well could be entitled uh, to premium pay for the six hours per week that you are working over the 44 hour threshold. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is an employment standards issue. Um, definitely uh, give us a call and speak with us about it uh, depending on how long this has been going on. It could be a significant overtime claim. Uh, and this is something that, uh, unlike severance, uh, you can uh, deal with at the Ministry of Labor, and that's actually a very effective mechanism to deal with overtime claims if that's the only issue that we're dealing with. Uh, so definitely give us a call, and we can walk through
1: at whether you actually fall within the manager's exemption. And it sounds like you probably don't. We'll wrap this, uh, wrap this show up with a quick email from Kate. It says, how many times do you have to be late before an employee can fire you? Well, uh, one of the things that this depends on is have you been given
2: any warnings? Uh, Because if you've been late 10 times but your employer hasn't actually told you that your job is in jeopardy, then certainly that's not going to be cause for dismissal. Um, on the other hand, you know, if you've received some warnings, uh, it could be problematic, but even if you've received warnings, you're probably still entitled to severance. Certainly your minimum severance, you'd still be entitled to, uh, if you're, it's possible you could be entitled to more than that as well. So if you do get fired, uh, give us a call, go on the severance pay calculator and and let's make sure that, that you're treated fairly.
1: That is a wrap, as they say, for uh, for one night. We'll do it again Wednesday night here, Employment Law Show, the weekend shows, of course, and Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV. You can go to stlawyers.ca to check out the schedule for that. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca to get hold of John or the rest of the team, one 821 And, of course, keep talking about it because it's awesome pocketemploymentlawyer.ca stick around alex pearson coming right back on point continues on global news radio
0: the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio